All right, everyone. Welcome to tonight's episode of the Hot Widows Club podcast. I'm Crystal, the hot widow of Eric. And with me tonight, we have a really special guest, Heather, who is the hot widow of Luke. Hello. Yes. Uh, welcome to the Hot Widows Club podcast. And then, as usual, we have the fucking stunningly hot widow of Ross the Boss. Hello, guys. Allie is here. And you guys... She has a Santa costume on tonight. Because <laughs> go, mom. Because Crystal said it's gonna be our Christmas jammy episode. So last year we started this and we wore our pajamas. And Crystal, if you remember, we did you did the push up challenge. Yeah, we're doing it again. No, we're not yeah. doing the push up challenge. <laughs> it's a tradition. But we're in our pajamas, and I have a Santa onesie. She's Santa baby. It's basically. Uh, it's awesome, actually. <laughs> Thanks, Heather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is stunning. So it's warm. we are here for like a badass fireside chat with Heather. Yes. Tonight. So I expect we're all very connected through many different ways. So I think we'll talk about a lot of different random stuff tonight, but we we'll want to hear Heather's story as well. Uh what do you got, baby? Fire away. Okay, so I wanted to update everybody that I do have Christmas lights. Woo! <laughs> she had a Compton. Like, not even Compton. She had a Christmas light Compton. What? Like, she had a, like, uh, I'm trying to, like, you know, everything I do is a song lyric. Yeah, I follow and so, you. so, okay. I'm thinking, like, straight out of Christmas light Compton. Yeah, what she said. Um, <laughs> it is, I'm just thankful I have some lights. Uh, it was quite the ordeal, but I... Just wanted to update everybody because I'm so thankful for those that have reached out and said they would help or like gave suggestions uh, with my gutter guards. What they ended up doing was they unscrewed like the front of the gutter guards, put the hooks in uh, for the lights and then put the gutter guards back on top. So like the back is screwed in, but not the front and they will re-screw them in once they take the lights down. So I think... Fingers crossed, everything's okay. <laughs> it was a Christmas miracle. That's first sounds, of all. Yeah, it was, sounds like it. It is for me, yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm driving around Allie's neighborhood looking at Christmas lights with my kids. A few, I don't know, what was it, a week and a half ago when you got them up? Mm-hmm. And I get lost. Like, I'm not, like, I'm directionally challenged. Like, I'm a creature of habit. I don't like, I don't see well in the dark. Anyways, I'm in her neighborhood and somehow I look up and I realize I'm at her house. And this is like Clark W. Griswold. I look up and I'm like, oh, you have lights. This is amazing. <laughs> it is beautiful. Her lights, I can totally, I didn't remember last year what your lights looked like. Yeah. But when I saw them this year, I was like, no wonder her heart needed those lights. They're yeah, beautiful. They, they really are. They, they are. And what's funny is my neighbor was even like, they look better than they did last year like what did you do different i'm like nothing so it was just i need i, I needed them you needed them yeah those lights are bomb yeah so so that's I, my update that's awesome honestly the kids and i we had to have lights too so we just rearranged how we put on our lights instead of having them on the roof line my son my four-year-old and i took them and put them around our fence around the backyard awesome oh. and luke was a man of trees he loved trees our backyard is full of trees that he's planted and we've watched them grow and so we've lit up a few of the evergreens back there and cool. that was just our way of using our lights just different oh. in a different way this year right? i love that heather yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's so, so awesome they do it just brings a little bit of joy to your mm -hmm. heart 
and see those yeah. lights up. It does. And our kids are young and they love lights. My so kids love them. You got to mm-hmm. have them up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I totally agree. I love driving home and seeing my lights. Like it just makes my heart happy. Like my Christmas tree is on. I'm so I'm almost at three years in February and I kind of mm-hmm. like I'm starting to feel like a warmth in my house again of just the four of us. Like I'm starting, I look at the house and I look at the tree and I feel maybe it warmth isn't right, but a little bit of completeness now. Like I felt so mm. incomplete for so many years and I'm starting to feel like, like maybe it's just all settling in and that like the fog is clearing and I'm like, this is my life now. And maybe that's why I'm starting to feel that completeness. And my tree and my lights do that for me. I'm thinking of asking my Christmas my the company who puts my lights up to leave them up a little bit longer. They're always very efficient at getting them down because I don't want to see the dark house again. Yeah. Like January through March. Like I'd mm-hmm. rather keep my Christmas lights up. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Help me feel a little bit better about mm-hmm. the darkness. It's coming. I don't know about mm-hmm. you guys, but seasonal affective disorder is so hard as a widow. Like mm-hmm. when there's no light, mm-hmm. it just feels like so dark and empty all the time. I know that's why we need that um, beach vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, we like maybe in January, even yeah. February. <laughs> Let's make this happen. Okay, so what we're talking about before we started airing tonight, we were talking about how tired we are and how exhausted it is, and how um, everyone has a tough time this time of year, right? Everyone is struggling with lots of different things, and the pressures of the holidays are intense. But when you don't have a break. There is no way to describe it. If either of you have a way to describe not having a break and what that really feels like when you want to scream, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what how to describe it, but that feeling is debilitating. Mm-hmm. I feel sick to my stomach all the time. I feel I have a headache all the time. I feel cloudy all the time. I can't remember anything. I feel like I just want to run away from my kids, and that's not like me. Mm-hmm. So if that gives you any idea. Anyways, we were talking about how deep that goes uh, before the show. And Heather had mentioned maybe we take a vacation. Allie said she needed to get away. Mm-hmm. And we talked about a beach vacation. So, um. But we were talking about how it would just be so nice to sleep, not have plans, to read books on the mm-hmm. beach, and just like be. And have no responsibility. No responsibility. Yeah. Yep. And be surrounded by people that understand. Like absolutely widows so just like tonight yes here we are I was thinking of the timing of this and it is like perfect for me it's a week before Christmas yep. our first Christmas without Luke and I'm like I would love to go be around two people that totally understand where my heart is right now yeah absolutely because like so many people don't you know mm-hmm. they just you can't get it unless you've been there and so mm-hmm. yes I agree I am super excited about being around two people who get what the holidays are like and how dark your heart feels and your mind. This is a very special episode. So this is going to come out probably a couple days before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And um, this will be the last episode of the year for 2023. 2023 has been a big year for our podcast. It's just unbelievable. All of the guests that we've had on, the outpouring of those that have shared how much it's helped. And it just means so much to us. And so... You know, we're looking forward to another year. Crystal and I do need a break. So we're probably going to take a couple weeks off after the new year. So we won't be right at every other week again, but we will get back into it in January. Um, But we're just so thankful for you guys. As Heather said, it's just nice to feel like we're not alone, Mm -hmm. that we're 
surrounded by those that understand our hearts. So thank you guys. And thank you, Heather, for being here on this really special episode. We'd love for you to start your story. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome to be here. So you guys can ask me to share our love story, which Mm -hmm. I thought was so sweet. Like how often do we go back to those sweet moments? I feel like everyone focuses on the hard, like last couple of years that you Mm -hmm. have together. And that's like your story is like the cancer journey. Mm -hmm. But for us, yeah. So Luke and I met back in college. Uh, He was just finishing up his degree and I was just going into my last couple of years of nursing school. And we were united by just good friends. They brought us together and we shared this passion of running. And so the thing that we clicked together with was um, we both ran marathons. So before, I know it was one of those, like no one gets that unless you actually like do it because everyone else thinks you're crazy. So um, (laughs) Nelly and I both love to run. Well, I don't love it, but. Run a lot, right? So that was the kicker. We understood each other. So. We connected with our passion of running and biking, but yet we were very different. So he had a degree in computer engineering. So he was pretty nerdy. Like he would even tell me like I, he was a nerd, right? And I was in nursing, I was in medical stuff. And the story that we always go back to that we loved he used to tell was, or that I told was the first time he invited me over to his house. And it was him and one of his buddies, also a computer engineer, and he had grilled burgers in the backyard and we were sitting outside. And I sat there and we, I don't know how long we were there. And I don't know how much I even talked, honestly, but I left and I was like, there's no way this is going to work because I did not understand anything they just told me. (laughs) They were in their own little world. Like he was just a very intelligent man, but also like so good with people. And so like he had this other side to him as well that I just loved. But anyways, I left that day and I I was convinced this was never going to work. But he was very determined and he pursued me and pursued me and we ran and we did a lot of all of that thing, all those things we loved together. But I pushed back and we took a summer off and then he continued to pursue me that fall and asked if we would train together for a marathon in October. And so kind of an awkward weekend, my dad and I and him and his roommate all roomed together and we ran this marathon and it was after that we clicked. And so we just uh, have been together ever since. So that's awesome. Yeah, just connect it through our love of running. But I uh, I don't know, to go into our story of loss, I feel like I have to start back. So we got married in June of 2010. So we were married almost 13 years before he passed and kind of went through, we went through a lot of loss before our cancer journey. And so I feel like I always have to refer back to that because it took us about five years to have our daughter, Kate. So we went through a lot of, um, we went through infertility and a lot of loss um, in that way, mm. before um, we knew we were ever going to go through this whole nother journey, right? And so I felt like that was God's way of kind of getting our attention early on in our marriage and telling us, like, you're not in control, right? Like this yeah. whole, like, theme of, like, you're not in control. I think we've all learned it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The, so in the much. hardest way. Mm-hmm. But we had learned it very early on because we had lost, we went through so much loss um, and have so many babies um, up there with Luke right now. And I think it was just God preparing us for that down the road, that more more loss and more hard. And something that I remember reading back in that time period was that like the depression a woman goes through during infertility is similar to that someone going through cancer. And I always look back on that because I'm like, it was so true, like the the depression the sadness and the grief, like it's very similar. 
to the feelings that we felt going through, like watching Luke go through all of his things. And so again, just like, I feel like he was preparing us, right? For something we didn't know we'd ever go through early on in our marriage. Now to say that we have two beautiful, beautiful kids that I just know, like God knew I need it more than like they were going to need me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the end, mm-hmm. like, cause we yeah. just need, our, we need our kids right. so much, as so much, much work as they are. Like we, I don't know what I'd do without them. Yeah. And so I have, um, Alex who is four and Kate who is seven and there are little miracles. So moving forward to April of 2021, So I'm a nurse and I worked in oncology actually for over a decade. Oh my gosh. uh, Doing outpatient chemotherapy. You're kidding me. Yes. So this is, again, one of those things that like, who would have ever known that was going to be such a big part of my story, right? So Mm -hmm. I actually resigned in April of 21 because I had a heart to be home with my kids and just try to soak up those last few years before they were in school. And so I resigned in April of 21 for like a couple of years, I thought. And literally in May of 21 is when Luke uh, had his first ER visit for a severe abdominal pain um, that led to his stage three colon cancer diagnosis in that Gosh. June. So I didn't know he had colon cancer. He did. And I listened to your story and I was like, oh my goodness, like we have that oh, in common. But he had something else as well. But he, his first diagnosis was colon cancer in June of 21. So... Yeah. And that's when Ross died is in June of 20. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like I didn't go back and like figure out when yeah. it passed. I listened to some of your story, but yeah. So crazy. Wow. I feel like in, tell me again, Crystal, like when your husband passed. He passed away in February of 21. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was like. So like you guys were going through the end mm-hmm. of that journey and mm-hmm. I was just getting started. Like yeah. literally wow. same time. Talk about details. I feel like this was a common theme in your podcast, but there's like so many details, right? Between Mm -hmm. that period and the time that he actually passed in April. Luke had such an original story because he went through six months of treatment for the colon cancer. It was in his lymph nodes and his colon and had the big surgery. And in January of 22, we thought like we were in the clear, like we got the, you're done with chemo. We don't see any other cancer, even though you live in like so much day to day, like fear still because you have the blood work and the scans you know we had about six to seven months where we traveled and we like soaked up every minute and I'm so glad we did Mm -hmm. right you learned such a big lesson with a with the word cancer oh my goodness yeah what matters and just slowing down and Luke was just such a hard worker and he changed right he was like we just were all about the right things in that time and I'm so grateful because fast forward to August of 22. So he turned 30, he was 36 when he was first diagnosed. And then in, on July 27th of um, 22, he turned 38, celebrated his 30th birthday. And it was right around that time that we had noticed some changes. He had some sinus issues, thought it was an infection. We were treating it. And then he had some lymph node involvement with that. And right away, my gut, right? You just know in your gut Mm -hmm. that like something's not right. Yes. And one thing led to the next. We literally one day were talking to his primary care. And two days later, three days later, we were in with the head and neck surgeon, literally going into surgery to remove the lymph nodes because they were growing like so fast. 
like Heather. day by day, you could see and feel the, the, the growth. Like they were mm. so big on his neck. And so they went in and took out two of the lymph nodes and they were literally the size, the surgeon said the size of like a baseball to a softball. Like, like that's how big these nodes were growing and how fast and how angry this was. And mm -hmm. so we had to get it out. We had to figure out what it was. And you know, the weight, the biopsy, we waited like a week. It was literally the morning of Kate's first day of kindergarten that we were waiting for this phone call and we were waiting to walk her up to school and it was like 7.30 and Luke got the phone call, the dreaded phone calls, right? And the doctor was like, this is, it's unexplainable. We don't even know what to think about this. Like they had multiple people coming into lab, like reviewing these slides because it just didn't make sense. But they had like three things. They thought it could be two of which were cancer, but it ended up being um, aviolar rhabdomyosarcoma, which is a very rare and aggressive form of sarcoma, which is like could be bone or soft tissue cancer. But it was actually a pediatric form of it. So it made no sense, like absolutely no sense. And it was one of those moments where the doctor's like, this is like worst this is like a worst case scenario. Like this is worse than any other of the predicted problems that we thought you had. Or So at that point, you start doing more scans. And, you know, obviously in that moment, what we do, we put our sunglasses on and we walked our daughter to school because that's what you do. You live life and you... You have no option. You have no option. So yeah, we, mm -hmm. we were like, we're not going to miss this morning. This is a huge morning for her. Mm -hmm. So we put our sunglasses on. I remember, I will never forget this walk. And our neighbor actually took a picture of us walking together and she had no idea the significance of that. Like that was the last first walk, you know, oh my for, gosh, Heather. for Luke and I and, and the kids. And so. Hey, I have a question for you real quick. Yeah. What, um, so what healthcare system were you treating in, in Omaha? We did a lot of care at Methodist, but okay. also um, some care through the med center. Do you guys remember um, like the prefix of the phone numbers that they would call you from? Like, do you remember when you would get the five? I, when I was, we were at the med center. Anytime mm -hmm. I got a phone call from five five nine, my heart dropped. Like, I just knew something bad was going to happen. I'll never forget that. Mm -hmm. Well, and Luke was receiving the phone calls mm -hmm. on yeah. his end, so but Ross. Um, so he always got the phone call. Yeah. You know, for his colon cancer, he got mm -hmm. it at work. So I remember him calling and just sobbing. You know, like oh. leaving work, and then this one, we at least were able to go in the back bedroom and like kind of receive it together. So anyways, we went on with scans, all the things, you know, to kind of see where this is at and what we could do to even try to fight it. And I'll never forget, this is probably the worst day, I would say, of our life, right? The, the second phone call, which came about a week later after we got all those results back. And we were at home together. We had his laptop pulled up because we could pull up the scans on, the, on his laptop. And then we talked to the physician over the phone. And... I, being a nurse, like I looked at the scans and I just like, you know, you just, you're in shock. Like the PET scan just lit up. And so um, he was stage four. It was everywhere, literally all over his skeletal system, organs. The only place it oh wasn't gosh. was his brain. And basically that conversation went from, we no longer can aggressively like treat this. Like we need to go to palliative care. Like there's, it's so aggressive. Yeah, a day we'll never forget, right? The day that you fall to the ground with your spouse, you weep uncontrollably. And I remember him saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. You know, but you, 
those are like the initial thoughts and the initial like gut reactions. It's like, this is, this could not be any more awful. Like mm-hmm. this is not good. That was kind of the start of our, okay, time to fight and time to do what we can. And we are big with our faith. Like faith is huge to us. So um, I would be honest to say though, it was hard to pray for like a miracle, even though we, we totally believed God for a miracle with this, but we just prayed for time. We started praying for time because if we didn't do anything, it would be weeks most likely. Um, but there was one treatment we could do. And so we went forward with it. We got the port. We did all the things. I am very big into like integrative medicine. So even with his colon cancer, like we were in communication with this doctor in KC, an integrative doctor, and we were doing all the things. Um, I had a little issue with control. We'll put it that way. <laughs> like, I did too. <laughs> nurse Heather and natural minded Heather, like we, like you just, if I wish you could have met him because we were like the fit couple that ate out of my organic garden every summer. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were doing CrossFit before mm-hmm. he just got diagnosed. Like he was in such good shape and from the outside looked so good and so strong and healthy and fit. And so it just never makes, it never made no. sense to me, any of this. Mm-mm. I'm and so glad you share that because it's like, it happens to anybody. Yeah, Like it's not just those that don't eat healthy. Right. It's like, it can happen to literally every single soul cancer doesn't care who you are Mm-mm. it's so many factors and you know we found out a lot of things like he had mold exposure like things that like i truly believe there was like there was causes to mm-hmm. you know he had autoimmune conditions like he looked healthy but he definitely had his issues of health problems that nobody mm-hmm. from the outside world would ever have known mm-hmm. but but yeah and being who i was and the mindset that i had like we were doing everything conventional but then like all of a sudden it was like I mean, I was reading all the books, you know, I mm-hmm. like went to this care oncology clinic in, in Canada, like, and it, like got like over the counter drugs. Like we were doing all the supplements and mm-hmm. I was even doing at home, like IV and vitamin C infusions, like three times a week for him. Like, oh my gosh. like we were putting all the things on board because it was be my nurse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> I honestly think like, I have to believe that like I did all those things and I just, at least I know we did everything that yeah, we could. Absolutely. Yeah. That's was, the best thing. You know, right? like I have no regrets. Yeah. We fought it with everything we could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God like could have given us weeks, but he was alive for eight months after he was diagnosed with this oh diagnosis. Gosh. So, so that was back in August. We started treatment and we went through two rounds of treatment and we were doing all this crazy fasting and all these things. And he, at six weeks, we did our first set of scans and the doctor, which we loved her. And she's like, I don't really say this. Like, I'm very careful to say this, but you had a miraculous response. So literally he called me and the cancer was completely out of his body outside of a little piece of his sinus after like two treatments. And so honestly, like, I think it was a lot of things, but either way, God was giving us time, Mm -hmm. right? It was like Mm -hmm. an answer to prayer because he was giving us time. Like this was our ticket to having the holidays together possibly and Christmas. And so we never, we kept praying. So we prayed for Thanksgiving and we prayed for Christmas. And honestly, we had a really good fall together. He was in so much pain initially, like bone pain. And after those few treatments, like the the pain was gone. And so as you both know, like he still was getting weaker mm-hmm. and the treatments are still really hard on him. We still had to manage life around chemotherapy and low blood counts, but at least we, we're able to spend the fall together and the holidays with our yeah. families. And it was such a gift, right? Heather, did he have that bone pain before he was diagnosed with his 
the second type of cancer? Is that kind of one of the things that was leading up to like not feeling well? He, it came on very abruptly, okay. like around the time of diagnosis. Okay. Cause I remember like literally the weekend after we got all the news, like he was grimacing in bed in pain at night because the bone pain in his hips were so bad. So the thing is with this like aggressive cancer, some types like this rhabdosomyosarcoma, like it's so aggressive that it can come on really quickly, but the treatment can also make it melt away quickly. And so we had just a really good response. So we knew the treatment I think was deep down working some because his pain like got better pretty quickly. And the lymph nodes, like the swelling went down really quickly. And so deep down we knew it was working in some extent. We just didn't know it was working that well. Yeah, huge answer to prayer. And we um, we kind of made it, like I said, through the holidays. And then January came around, and that's kind of when it took a turn again uh, for the worse. And the bad thing is once you stop the treatment or you hold it a few weeks, which is what we kind of did to give him a break, the cancer like rages again. Yeah. So that's exactly what it did. And yeah. we had that fear that it would do it. But the doctor, it was protocol. We took the break, you know. So in January, we were leaving church one day and he um, started having stroke-like symptoms. And so I had to rush him to the ER and sure enough, it had metastasized to his brain. And so that was kind of our next turning point. We, I remember around those few days, like his mental status changed. He was really confused and I took him home from the hospital and I really thought that was like going to be it because he was barely communicating with me. It was like a few words here and there, like nothing was making sense. And I thought like that was probably it, but we went and did 10 rounds of radiation on his brain. And I'm not kidding you, like miracle number two, he was back, like wow. fully back. He actually, in this time period, like sold our car and bought me a new car. Cause he's like, Heather, I think I really need to get you a new car. Like your Explorer is just not, it's in the, like it was breaking down all the time. And he literally willed and dealed a new vehicle for me. Like after being, you know, it was just so cool that like God gave us more time. He mm-hmm. was giving us more time. With that said, you know, just a few weeks later, he was in the hospital again and he ended up having what they call is leptomeningeal disease. So another very rare disease where the cancer gets into his cerebral spinal fluid. And so at this point, it's going up and down like his, you know, it's his nervous system and causing all this nerve pain. And and so that was like the, that was like the, the conversation with the doctor that was like, okay, there's nothing else. Like this is the worst case scenario. And so that was in the end of January and we continued to do radiation because that's the only thing we could do. And Luke was like, it sounds like your husband's just a fighter, right? Mm -hmm. He never once gave up. Like he never once didn't believe that like God could work a miracle and he could, he could, he could fight like beat this. And all the while this is going on, I'm not kidding. He's going to work like until he couldn't drive anymore. And then I was driving him to work because he just wanted to be around people. Like that's mm-hmm. what kept his spirit alive was pouring into people, pouring into, he loved to mentor people. He loved to lead people. And I think he just, it was such an opportunity where God used like our story and just just his ability to even walk into work, uh, barely, mm-hmm. you know, but still have a conversation or two a day with somebody that mattered to him. Uh, it just kept his spirit alive. Mm-hmm. So he kept going and he kept living literally until just the beginning of April, April 6th, I literally drove him in to his work and they had a meeting that afternoon where the whole company met. And I found out later because Luke is like the most humble man I think all of me that they, they gave him a standing ovation at this meeting. 
and they just recognized him because he was he was getting worse you, everyone could see it by the day and by the week and literally that weekend he went on hospice he went home and the pain got so bad that we had to transition to hospice by like that coming monday and hospice is like could have its own podcast I think you said that, but it's so true. Like it was I like, did. I, it was like 10 days, right? Yeah. Where he was at, he was at home and he was so fearful. Like right away he thought he was fighting hospice, but mm-hmm. he thought that I was going to make him leave and like go somewhere else. And we had talked about this, but he was just confused, mm-hmm. you know? And as soon as I said, no, honey, like you're going to be here with us. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, okay. Oh. And I can't like, I don't know again, all the details of your husband's stories, but the pain that came along with this diagnosis was just unreal. Like he, I, I am a nurse in oncology and I can't say I've ever seen like someone just go through so much pain and suffering. And so I honestly, like the day that he was given relief with hospice was so hard, but it was like, he so deserved that day of like finally some rest. Like I've never seen a patient go from like so much pain to like the hospice nurse showing me like how his body's actually resting. And I was like, oh my goodness, he's been under so much pain. Mm -hmm. And so just thankful for those. I mean, it was 10 days and our kids could be around and being small, like they, I feel like it was just, it was such a beautiful time. They were able Mm -hmm. to climb up on bed with us and read books with us and do all the things with daddy there. And yeah, he ended up passing on April 12th. Oh my gosh, Heather. 23 um, in our home. And they always say like they know when they, then they're ready to go. And literally we had people around, his parents, my parents around for like the whole nine days or whatever. And by the, that day I was like, you know, everybody, I think you just need to like, we'll just, it, it I'll take care of him. Like yeah. we just need to be living life now mm-hmm. and we'll just like let him be in his own time. And the kids came home from school that day and we got to just just the four of us got to like read stories with him on the bed and we wrote these beautiful little letters to him the kids and I and literally it was like an hour later and he passed when the kids were out playing in the backyard like this beautiful I could hear him and I wasn't even planning on sharing that but here you go like it was just such a gift to be able to like walk someone that you love so much home like in that way It's just like your greatest honor, right? Like we'll ever have. Oh, Heather, you're so right. Like I never, I've never really put that into perspective about how you get to walk someone you love home. You get to be the last person that they see. That's really powerful. Yeah. I feel like the one story I like, I wanted to share with this because this is kind of like my last words from Luke that weren't directly to me, but were through a really good friend of mine. Because I never really got last words from him because he went from such extreme pain to like literally like nonverbal for like most of that time. And so we never got those last words. Like we didn't know it was coming. Like I didn't even know it was coming. I didn't know what was going to happen, that they were literally going to like knock him out. Right. Because he was just needed to be relieved of the pain. And so anyways, my neighbor and very good friend, um, Betsy and we can all agree like neighbors are the best. <laughs> yes. I, like I heard you say that too before, but oh I'm like, they really are Thanks. like, they have come through for Luke and I so much yeah. in these last couple of years. And she was over there so I could get a shower and just get a shower without worrying that he would fall or something would happen. And she was sitting outside or in our living room by him. 
And I must have put the music on in our bathroom. And I must have really turned it up because Betsy's like, Luke, she is really jamming out in there. Like she is really jamming out. And he wasn't saying much at this point, but he looked at her and she told me this days later. She goes, he looked at me and he said, well, she deserves it. And honestly, like those words mean so much to me because like I, every time I'm like, do I like, you feel guilty, right? When you have a little bit of joy or you feel guilty, like mm-hmm. when you're trying to move forward, mm-hmm. not move on, but you feel like this guilt of like, you know, I, should I feel this way? Like I should have be missing him more or honestly, my heart's even been opened up to love. And I don't sooner rate than I ever thought, like I didn't go looking for it, but like the only thing I think of in those moments is Luke saying, you deserve it. Like you deserve to be happy, right? Mm-hmm. You deserve to jam out in the bathroom to some music and be happy yeah, and find joy. And I just think like all of our spouses think that, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I, I've just never held on to like, I, I feel like people like would have a hard time moving forward a lot of times because they like, they don't want to feel bad about it. But like, I don't feel that with Luke. He has given me so much freedom to like move forward. And that's just who he was though. He was like my encourager, right? He was the one that's like, you can do whatever you want, Heather. You can like, you should start like, cause I'm so passionate about certain things. And he would always mm. encourage me to like pursue those things. And that's just who he was with everybody. He yeah. just go for it. Like yeah. don't hold back. And, and so that's, I don't know. I think that's just a beautiful way that like he left me in that. Like, can you even know he was doing it? But yeah, it's the message he left you. It's the way he made you feel. That's so special. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I love that feeling. I think that especially our husbands, like when they, they don't, they didn't choose to leave us. They didn't want to leave us. Mm-hmm. Right. But we, you know, as we are their servant, we are their ones. We take care of them. We are their number one cheerleader and their supporter. And we come out of it. We have to go on. Right. And we have to, to move forward in life. And I, I do think that Eric is so proud of me. I'm sure that mm-hmm. Luke is just loving everything that you're doing right now. It's been eight and a half months, right? Mm-hmm. And I bet he's your biggest cheerleader still. It sounds yeah. like he was all the way to the very end. Yeah. He is my inspiration. We always go back to, he loves Chicago. And I was like, you are my inspiration. He is. <laughs> he just, he inspires me to like, just live, like live life to its mm-hmm. fullest. And I was not a super adventurous person, but it's so funny because now when you ask me to do something new, I'm like, yes, yeah. like, let's do it like tomorrow. That's how I am too. <laughs> right? yep. That's such a good word. Inspiration. Ross is definitely my inspiration too, to just keep living and mm-hmm. do new things. And as we were driving over here today, I was like, Crystal, I just want to do new things in 2024. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to do new fun things. Like, that's what I want. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, I just think you were. <laughs> I love that. I'm like I hysterical. Love it too. It's okay, Al. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, trust me. Like this week, you know, but like grief is so weird. Yeah. But like, I two nights ago, I was bawling in a Christmas concert while they were singing Christmas carols. You know, mm-hmm. like just like couldn't control myself. And then this morning with my kids' Christmas program, I thought for sure I'd be a mess, but I didn't cry a bit. And you're just mm-hmm. like, I have no idea. Yeah. The triggers are just everywhere so and they're so hard to control it just happens it's like you can't yeah no and I don't think like tears are so good like I think that's my like I love what you ladies do because it's Luke and I's motto was to be bold and be used like we had Mm -hmm. a story and we're going to use it right and that's what you guys are doing Mm -hmm. yeah but that means being vulnerable and that means being that means tears and our world is so 
not good about showing our emotions. Mm-hmm. And it just, oh, I could get on a whole nother soapbox, but no. like you gotta be real with people. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's why we're great. doing it. You yeah. should stay on that soapbox, Heather. <laughs> Tell us more. I think yeah. that people need to hear that message. We do have to be vulnerable. And, you know, I've talked before, we're widows, we're not broken. Well, we're broken, but we're not, you know, non-functional. And, you know, we we can do good things and we have lives and we have purpose and Hallie, like the way that you specifically just serve your community and serve our widowhood community and the local community, like that is something that, like I remember a story you told me about Ross once when he was delivering turkeys for work or something. and he <laughs> Christmas skipped, meals. Christmas <laughs> meals. And he's skipping down the street yeah. and somebody caught it on ring and you were just yeah. so proud that he did that. Yeah. I love and then you tell me the stories that, um, that you're doing. And I'm like, wow, Ali, you are living his, his mission. And that is so cool. Yeah. I visited him today at the cemetery mm. and I just, <laughs> like, he would tell me what, what I feel like he's talking through you, Heather, because mm-hmm. I was like, I just, I was talking to him and I said, I just want you to be proud of me. Like, I don't like, I want to live for you, Ross, because you weren't able to. And he wanted, he loved being a father Mm. and it breaks my heart that he does, he got such a short period of time because it brought him so much joy. Um, And so I just want to make him proud all the time because he has been my inspiration and I do everything in my life for him and for my kids Um, because I'm so thankful and so grateful that I got to be in his life and that I got to walk with him through that journey. But sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, right? You just question everything and there's guilt with being a widow and being a mother. Anyways, I just wanted to say that. I feel like he would say to me, you deserve it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I need to focus on for 2024 Mm -hmm. is, you know, having fun again and doing new things. So... I feel like Ross would want you to go to the beach. (laughs) I think so too. I feel like he's talking through Heather. I kind of do. I really do. I feel like he's saying, Allie, go to the beach. (laughs) I'm totally down for this beach trip. Yeah. I think so. I am totally, yeah. I'm like you, Heather. I'm like, yes. I say yes a lot. Just say yes. Yeah. But the problem that I have is I say yes probably too much. And so I I overdo it a little bit. And that's what I, I need to find a better balance. I would love for you to listen to, I did do the, um, a hospice episode and mm-hmm. it's so crazy because my nurse are, are not mine, but Ross's nurse was Heather. And so I, t- we actually had Heather on for that Aww. episode. And I think I listened to part of that. I want to say I did. It's probably been a while, but yeah. Yeah. She was also an oncology nurse. So it's like so weird, but, um, <sighs> that is such a hard week, you know, and just, but also, it's almost like you are in another universe. Like you're like seeing the other side a little bit. And um, you really don't get to do that unless you're walking with somebody else through their last breath. And it's like, I don't know. I, I don't have really good words for it, but it's it's very special and hard at the same time. So we had a guest a couple episodes ago and she shared a song with us that Lady Gaga wrote and it goes with this kind of what we're talking about and it's it's called The Edge of Glory and she wrote that song 
about when her grandfather was taking his last breath and Mm -hmm. how they were all surrounded by him. And it was like the edge of glory. Like they were like going there with him for that moment. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyways, it just made me think of that. It takes me back, you know, like every time we talk about this, it takes you back to like that, that moment in time, Mm -hmm. which I can't even tell you how special, like it's special for all of us in our own ways. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it was just, again, I know like faith is our thing. It's not everyone's thing, but like for me, it was such confirmation of, of what I knew to be true. And that's where he was going because like you hear stories, even as a nurse, you hear stories, but like, I feel like I have to share this, but like he had been his eyes closed for eight days, probably seven, eight days, nonverbal, you know? And Mm -hmm. in that moment, like his eyes opened and the biggest tear went down his face. And I, like can't help to think like of what he was seeing. Like to me, like for my kids, even like we celebrate it and, and it's crazy. I went out and I found my kids after that, after you weep and you just spend that time. Mm-hmm. And they, they said, you mean that daddy went to be with Jesus? Do you mean he went and they were celebrating and there's nothing else to describe it. I just, for me, it was confirmation of what I like what we had talked about mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that we could have peace and some sort of peace, right. In the situation that mm-hmm. it's hard to have peace otherwise, like yeah. how yeah. else do you have peace? I definitely had a relief of, there was definitely a relief. Uh, it, it, it's weird. Cause yeah. you do oh, feel yeah. like, Whoa. And I think that was also because of the cancer journey mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. watching somebody suffer absolutely the way that, they did. Um, and honestly, my faith has, uh, has been, um, has been hard for me because of that suffering. It was so, so hard to watch mm-hmm. somebody in so much pain like that. And it was just like unbearable sometimes to watch that. And so I have struggled with that, but I did feel that relief for sure for Ross mm-hmm. of like, you can relax now. Like you do not need to be in pain anymore and you don't need to fight this because Mm -hmm. he was definitely fighting it that last week of like, Mm -hmm. he was not ready to go. And he was like, no, like I'm like going to be here forever for you. (laughs) Yep. Um, Yeah. Eric was a lot like Luke. He, so he had a really tough time. Like his journey was really hard and he was sick all of the time, really, really sick. And he, was in pain and Mm -hmm. just everything about his journey was just really, really painful and hard. And he just felt so crappy the whole time. I mean, in Eric's case, his whole DNA got changed. And right. So do you think about like the magnitude of that through science and what does that do to the human body is just beyond what my feeble HR lady mind can possibly (laughs) come up with. But um, so when he went through that journey too, like it was, for me, it was very peaceful. It was very calm. It was very, um, it was very like, this is what is supposed to happen. This is, this is how life works scientifically. Mm -hmm. And so to see him like go from feeling so crummy to like what you said, Heather, and just in a quick 48 hours, he just relaxed. Mm -hmm. Um, Eric got, and I don't know much about this, but Dr. Al-Qadimi told me, you know, that when Eric dies, it's going to be his heart will stop abruptly or it will be he will fever and the fever will then take over his body and the fever will make his heart stop. So I do have I don't really talk about this often. I I don't talk about having regrets because I don't feel like I have regrets, but I wish that Eric wouldn't have had to die 
from a fever. Because I mean, he died from leukemia, right? But mm -hmm. one, like in order for his body to die, he had to, he had to get the infection. He had to fever and the fever and the infection, it, that ultimately stopped his heart. And I kind of wish he would have gotten the other option, which was his heart would have just stopped because he calmed down and that was, it was time for his heart to stop. But when he was in that comatose state, he was comfortable. Like he was just laying there and like he looked very comfortable. He looked very peaceful. I remember he, I still remember the touch, the way it felt when I held his hand and he just barely brushed his finger past mm -hmm. mine. And I'll fight anybody who says I made it up because <laughs> I know what happened. But um, he <laughs> fevered so hard. So he was still sweating. I don't know if you, if your husband's mm -hmm. like sweated during that time, but and I could just tell he was so hot. And so then I was like, oh, I know how fever feels. And I feel like maybe he wasn't as comfortable as he looked. But um, I know it is what it is, right? Everyone's got to die somehow, some way, right? Yeah. And everyone's got yeah. their own journey. And I know that I feel very peaceful about our journey too. It was like to hear when you said like you heard the last breath. Like I will never forget that last breath. I don't mm. know about you guys, no. but it's a... a sound that nobody ever forgets and the laying weeping over your husband. I talked about this last Christmas too. Like when you're thinking about this holiday season and you're thinking about how hard and how stressful it is to buy your gifts mm -hmm. and see your family, remember that there was a point when someone that you know laid weeping over their dead spouse's body, mm -hmm. a dead person's body and you're weeping yeah. and the tears are running down my face and his body and then it's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just think about what matters this holiday season. I think that's what I'm trying to get at is like the gifts don't matter. The going to the parties, it doesn't matter. All of those things, they don't matter. Just be with the ones that you love and exist. That's it. So I was going to ask you, did when you were working on your holistic medicine, did you guys stop all sugar? We did a lot of that. Yes, mm -hmm. with the colon cancer and yeah, yeah we uh, we we did a lot of things. Yeah, we were more strict than um, yeah. When we had no sugar, uh, there was no dairy. Yeah, we really just ate plants. Yes, basically lots of vegetable soup from my neighbor. Bless her soul. <laughs> like and you know like juicing and oh man, we were doing it all. But you know, like Luke was on board. He yeah. all of a sudden he was like in this one of those things. Like I. I wish I didn't try to control him so much over the years because he had, so he had ulcerative colitis like before uh -huh, all this. Okay. So that's how we got him back in like remission. And he was off meds for 10 years because like we eat a diet stuff, right? Nice. So Makes I know it works. Absolutely. It does make a difference. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did, we did all mm -hmm. the things like I know to the extreme. I know a lot of people who have colon cancer or who have gone through that journey. If anyone is listening and you have gone through colon cancer, Really look at the diet. I mean, that really potentially has some ability to fight or add time mm -hmm. when it yeah. comes to colon cancer, mm -hmm. specifically sugar, any cancer. So any this cancer. Is my yeah. shameless yeah. plug for yeah. sugar and why it is. Uh, so I, have I talked about how much I believe sugar is the enemy in all things in your body? Inflammation, um, grogginess, illness. Yeah. I believe a lot of it's driven by the amount of sugar that we consume. So... So anyways, stop sugar. It could yeah. possibly really, really help your journey if you're on one right now. 
That's Dr. Crystal, not um, at all educated. <laughs> but that's nurse with, with, with Nurse Heather's backup, one thousand percent actually. <laughs> okay, so yeah, good. you're good. <laughs> but, you. but with that said, I'm not trying to control those things anymore as much. So I've let go and have a little bit more balance in my life and my food category, but still so good. Heather, do you have any advice for um what has helped you through your grief journey before we get off? Like any advice you would give other widows or widowers or those grieving? Yeah. So I, I thought about this a little bit and I feel like the first thing I would say that's helped me, not just through the grief process after Luke passed, but like before he passed Mm -hmm. is just give yourself grace. We've talked about this and just do the next thing. Like that's literally how I live life. Right. I, I try not to think about, Sometimes even the next like afternoon, I think about like literally the next thing, like it's in those days when you can't move and you are just like, you just don't want to go and do the next thing. Like that's all you need to do. Like, mm-hmm. I think, so don't get overwhelmed and think through all the future stuff, just like do the next thing, which sometimes is just like going to the bathroom. Right. Mm-hmm. So give yourself grace, um, do the next thing. Uh, just that phrase helps me so much. Oh, I like that. And then um, I think the second thing that has been really helpful for me is I just want to encourage anybody that's gone through loss to process it. I think there's two ways to go about it, right? You can stuff it. You can not talk about it and um, cope in unhealthy ways. And I've been tempted to do all of those things, mm-hmm. trust me, <laughs> or you can deal with it. And I think this is one way to do it, right? Through podcasts, listening to other stories. But for me, I went through a process. I kind of made myself because I always knew I needed to do something. But after I got through the trauma, like you can't process things when I was in the trauma with Luke, you know, like, so I waited for him and to pass and I gave myself the summer, but then I went through a process called fresh start in the fall here. And honestly, it was so good. It made me like write out like all the details of the loss that I experienced and not just the loss of Luke physically. Right. But like we all went through a marriage and like the hard things that you go through in your marriage, like there's other losses. And I talked about some of ours, but there was many more. And so it made me like write it all out and journal it all out. And like, all the details, the nitty gritty details that make you like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm bawling while I do this, but you have to. And then it made me actually like talk about it with other women that I trusted, a small group. And then for me, it was a faith-based process too, where it kind of, you surrendered it all. You kind of just gave it over to the Lord. And so it kind of helped me cleanse my heart in a lot of ways. So I could kind of get rid of some of the past. So I had room for the grief, like in the moment, right? It didn't like, it's not at all fix it thing, but for me, it was just so good to like force myself to process, right? To like talk about it. And again, I just feel like so many people like move forward, even the people that you feel like should be grieving about like your spouse, like your family and stuff. And people don't talk about it. Like they don't, they just kind of stuff it and they move on. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that's, I think that's a huge problem with so much of our world is we don't talk about the things we go through and we all go through hard. It might yeah. be the loss of a spouse, but it may be, there's so many other things. I think, I don't know about you, but my eyes have been opened up to just hard and the mm-hmm. things that people go through. And you just have this so much compassion for yes. everybody walking down the street. Oh my yes. gosh. Right? Amen. Oh and my everybody gosh. is walking down the street and not talking about why, like, you know, what they're going through. And so yes. yeah. I, that's a long answer, but just 
I think just like dive in and like, don't be afraid to talk about it and to cry it out. Cause like, even this process taught me, like when you cry, like the tears that you release, there's a chemical reaction. And there's a difference between like tears when you're like pain, like when you're in pain and tears from like grief, like there's a difference. And so when you release those, like chemicals are released and there's like, that's like helping your body like move forward and you have a less of a chance of moving forward with like the depression and the long-term problems like down the road. Like mm-hmm. if you just process it right away, like, so I don't know, just find someone you trust and you can talk to and hash it out. Cause it that's out. great that's advice. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, yes. I'm eight months in and I'm so glad I did that this fall. Like mm-hmm. it was early. I felt like it was early, but now I feel like I have this like weight off my chest and I have this freedom and I'm not fixed again. I'm still grieving and I will grieve forever but I feel like there was a lot of tears that came out in those two months. And mm-hmm. that was a, and I did feel like there was just a weight that came with that. Yeah. That it's, yeah. That was like grief's journey for me. I fought it so hard, but every time I had to go do an exercise, it was just the tears just came rolling out. Every time I had to talk, the tears just mm-hmm. came rolling out. And I hated it in the moment. I hated mm-hmm. it. I ended it. I hated it. I told Allie, I'm like, I don't want to go to fucking grief tonight. I can't stand that stupid place. I look back now. That was the best thing I think I truly Mm. did is that I got it all out. I wrote it out. Mm -hmm. I talked about it with people who didn't know me, didn't, you know, they cared about me, but they didn't, you know, it was just a really safe place to open up and have that. So I'm so grateful I did that grief's journey um, project because that was super helpful for me. Same. You should do it again. Not a chance in hell. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's dry. I mean, it's, you don't yeah. walk into it feeling no. like I want to be here today. But like <laughs> when you walk out, I always felt like, oh, yes, I do feel kind of better after going through that box of Kleenexes again. You know, like, <laughs> so there's there's power in tears. So right. just let them go. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a pretty healthy space with my grief. Um, with the exception, I feel like I'm I feel I'm feeling so much further away from Eric and mm. that I don't love. And I feel like time is stealing my memories. Mm. And that is bothering me pretty significantly. So hindsight, I'm really glad we have this podcast because I can go back and listen and just hear where I was at and my journey and my growth. Mm-hmm. And so that's super helpful for me, but the my memories are fading and that's hard. I don't know how to retain those. I look for his dimples in the sky. Yeah, the, Eric had the cutest dimples in the world. And so when he smiled, his whole body smiled. Oh, yeah, I love that. that. Yeah, Luke had the the eyes. He had these long eyelashes, and like my son actually has his eyes. Oh. Like it's his one daddy feature, and everyone comments on his long eyelashes and his. Uh-huh. And so yeah, like Luke was like this big contagious grin, mm-hmm. all the dark features, the dark hair, beautiful yes. skin, and these dark eyelashes, and yeah. So that's like, I love reflecting. Yeah, I'm I just, do like, too. I love that thing. I love that about him. Uh-huh. So handsome. Yeah. I love talking about, I do love talking about him. I like that. I have Ali who never lets me stop talking about him. <laughs> I love that about you. Oh my gosh, you guys I totally forgot. <laughs> so I told Ali like, I don't know, like eight months ago, everyone knows who listens to our podcast that I dress pretty wild and you never know what I'm going to show up in. And so I told Ali a few months ago, I must've been like nine months ago. I told you this. Yeah, I don't know. A long time ago. It was a long time ago. I was like, Allie, I really wish I had a pair of hamburger earrings. <laughs> and she's like, what? Why do you want hamburger earrings? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel this calling to wear 
hamburger earrings. And so Ali surprised me tonight with the cutest pair of hamburger earrings Aww. for my birthday. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I can't wait. I'm going to put them on here so we can take a picture in a little bit. But <laughs> these are the cutest. And so the ketchup bottle studs with hamburgers <laughs> hanging down. I have no idea where you would have found those. I guess online probably. I know. But I searched yeah. along Ooh. a lot of places, but <laughs> she gets me. She gets me. My, My girl knows. A steel trap. <laughs> <laughs> steel trap. <laughs> but it is so helpful to have someone who knows you and hears you, yes. and yeah. you know, keeps you talking about your grief. Because if you don't, it just you know you're pressing it down. So when you said you can just hide it, or you can what what is the word you use? Stuff it. Stuff it. You yeah. can stuff it. That only is going to last you so long, ladies and gentlemen. Don't yeah. don't stuff it because, man, it, it'll just kind of keep oozing mm-hmm. if you don't. And so that healing isn't going to isn't going to happen when you're stuffing it way down. I you have can to stuff your sorries in a sack. That's what my <laughs> sister would always say when she'd get mad at me. Oh. And I'd say, Amber, I'm sorry. And she'd say, you can stuff your sorries in a sack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I was going to say that it is hard with little kids or just kids in general. When you have kids, you can't grieve like mm-hmm. how you want to grieve in front of them. So that is difficult when you have lost a spouse and you have little kids and you have to take care of them. You cannot just let it all out in front of them. And so that is something where I think Heather has good advice where you need to find a friend or you need to find a group where you can actually let it out because you cannot keep that in at home. That is a very good point. You mm. just spoke right to my heart. Like you can't. You yeah. cannot. You be- want to so many times, mm-hmm. but then they come out with a smile on their face wanting to play. play. And you just have to like stuff it back in. And mm. you do. That's the part. You that's know? the hard part yeah. is you do have to stuff it in yeah, for those is, kids. And that a is a weight. And so. Don't do that. Don't continue to do that. Find a friend. Find a grief journey. Mm-hmm. Um, find, what is the program you had? Fresh Start. Fresh Start. Yeah. And do that because you will not be able to do it alone. You will not because you have those children and you cannot mm-hmm. stuff it. Mm-hmm. But it's also okay to to grieve in front of them too, which we've talked about yeah. before to show them that you are grieving and that you are sad. Like, I have learned to tell my kids, I'm going to go to my room and I'm going to write and I'm going to cry and I'm okay. So no need to worry about me, but I'm just writing to stay close to daddy Mm -hmm. or to think about daddy or just to talk to my computer about daddy. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while. It took me until my daughter caught me. So we have French door refrigerators Mm -hmm. and I had them open one summer and I was bawling inside the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And then to the floor I went and it was just not pretty. And my daughter caught me and she didn't know what to do. Like she just had no idea like how to handle me. And so that's when I have like learned to find my place and Mm -hmm. tell them, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm having a moment. And then just to have open conversation with them too, that that happens to mommy because I love you guys and I love daddy so much. And I just feel it all. And, you know, I da- I'll be like, I'll just feel it all. So, you know, that's just who mommy is. And that's how I'm going to process and get mm-hmm. us, all of us, through these really tough times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, mom. That's what they say. They're just like, okay, mom. Yeah, I I can't do that. Um, unfortunately, I can cry in front of them, like, a little bit or, like, show my emotion. Like, I tried to show all mm-hmm. my emotions. Mm-hmm. But I cannot 
break down or like show my grief in front of my kids because they can't process it like your mm-hmm. kids. They're still a little younger. Um, they worry. Like my kids will, especially my oldest who's mm-hmm. seven. Yeah. Oh my goodness. My daughter's seven. Will mm-hmm. worry. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So I have a seven and a five-year-old, Heather. Mm-hmm. And so my seven-year-old just like, if I show, if my face changes, he's like, are you okay? Like, he just worries. He just like wants me to be okay. He's he one, he's a protector and mm-hmm. he's like, mm-hmm. so I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. It will be, okay. it, it just would not be good, I think, to try mm-hmm. to explain it. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll get there one day, I think. Right. But um, so anyways, I just wanted to share that because it is okay mm-hmm. to like, not show all of that in front of your kids too, because right. I under, I understand at least from my standpoint, mm-hmm. it's like my oldest worries so much with mm-hmm. changing moods. <laughs> yeah. Benny worries about me too. He's gotten worse lately. He'll like, he just is like, Oh, are you sad mom? Mom, mm-hmm. are you mad at me? Or mm-hmm. mom, like what's going on with you when something changes in me? So I yeah. understand that piece of it. For sure. Kids are intuitive little humans. They are. We all know our kids, you mm-hmm. know, better than anyone else. So I think that's where it goes to. You just have to kind of individualize it a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? All right. Before we wrap up tonight, I got to tell you one funny thing I did. So okay. uh, Benny plays basketball. Uh-huh. And like it's so intense. Like this is a really intense second grade league that like a mom like me was not prepared for. A small town girl from Nebraska was no idea how men's boys basketball goes. I had four sisters. Um, Eric had one sister, like I'm only girls. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to deal with boys. And so <laughs> they're out there. And of course, like everything I do is relating to song lyrics. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Benny's out there and he's got the ball and I look up and he's surrounded. Like he is surrounded by defenders and he's trying to get out of this mess. And instead of like watching my son, I start looking on my phone and I'm like, what is that Dr. Dre song about being surrounded? And what's the lyrics that go with it? And as I'm looking at my phone, being totally distracted, trying to come up with song lyrics, everyone's screaming, go Betty, go. And Betty got out of the group and he sinks the bucket. It was so cool. I was so proud of him, but I was super, super duper embarrassed that I'm busy looking up. (laughs) Dr. Dre lyrics so I can relate and what it was is some song by Dr. Dre I can't remember what it is and it's like we got your motherfucking record company surrounded (laughs) and like like why was I looking that up like I'm gonna yell that out like you know what I mean I'm so dumb but the reality is I gotta stop like I gotta stop trying to relate my entire life to song lyrics can you help me with that I, I don't know how I can I'll try Okay. It's kind of how your mind works. Like I can't. I know, but it's an ask of maybe you. accept it. Accept that that's yeah, a, it's kind of a gift. Yeah, I mean, like I don't do song lyrics well at all. Really, and like you get them, so go yeah. for it. I, I feel know. yeah. I feel like you need to accept this and <laughs> embrace it. Yeah. Embrace. I was it. pretty embarrassed that I missed that big moment because I was trying to look that up. Well, you could be like me and just videotape the whole game like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get better. All the moms know that I don't videotape it. And so they'll be mm-hmm. like, don't worry, Crystal, I got it. Because I'm probably busy talking or looking up song lyrics or yeah. doing something dumb. But anyways, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but I have big news for you, Allie. Oh, gosh. Okay. So Allie and I were talking about like different things to do with the podcast the other day. And just like just brainstorming again, like Allie and I have no time to plan anything. So these are like random FaceTime <laughs> calls during the workday. Like we maybe get like three minutes just to talk. It's the only time we have. And so 
we were going through different ideas. And so I pitched an idea. Mm-hmm. And ladies and gentlemen, he has to do this now because I'm going to air it. But Body by Trey has agreed to come on to the podcast. Really? To talk about health and wellness. That's awesome. And how a healthy body really helps to stabilize your your mood, your journey, like everything That's that awesome. goes into life. So we will get to interview Body by Trey on the Hot Wheels Club podcast. I love it. I come love 20, it. Come 2024. We're already planning. Yeah. He did tell us it was going to cost. He said, it's going to cost you guys to have me on. Said, what does that mean? Yeah. What? He thinks we're going to pay him. I said, bitch, please. No. We don't even get paid to be on this thing. We're not no, paying we you. Pay, we pay to be on here. Yeah. So we have super special guest body by Trey going to be in the studio sometime in 2024. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we have a couple other fun things coming up that you guys should look forward to. We have, um, uh, we're going to do a little Q&A session. We're going to have someone interview Allie and I on the podcast in early 2024 as well. So lots to come. A couple date nights, all of our guests. Looking forward to a super exciting 24. All right, ladies and gentlemen, signing off from the Hot Widows Club podcast. Allie, sing us a Christmas song. No. Sing us out, baby. so much. No, I'm not singing a song. Heather, what do you got? You got a Christmas carol Oh, man, you don't want me to sing on your podcast? That is not a strength of mine. Mine neither. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, We love you guys. Thanks for listening, being a part of our family and our journey. So, signing off. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Heather. Thank you.